Hello, hello, hello. How's everyone doing? This is Chris. It's Tips from the Top Floor, episode 908. Coming to you from the Viewfinder Villa near Hanover in Germany. I, I had a better opening line in the in the past. I, yeah, I'm relearning. Hello. Uh, <laughs> this is, yeah, this is uh, the podcast about photography. I am very glad to be here. Oh, look, there's birds chirping in the background. Hey, what... What a nice summer day. It's actually hot, quite hot here. Um, so let's see. Three things I wanna talk about today. Um we have to we have to we have to talk. We have to talk about AI. Yes, artificial intelligence. Which um yeah, is has been with us for a long time, but it has, has made strides, big strides recently. Um, and in photography as well, or in art in general. So uh, we need to talk about DALI, D-A-L-L-E, version 2, DALI 2, OpenAI's product. It's in a semi-open beta. I'm on the waiting list. And uh, what that thing does, I mean, it's hard to miss. I'm pretty sure I'm... Uh, uh, I'm not telling you anything new, but what DALI does is it... And the DALI is, of course... Uh, a combination of Dali, as in Salvador Dali, and Wally the robot. So that's the, where the name comes from. Uh, Dali creates images based on text prompts. There used to be, uh, or there is a Dali version one, and that was meh, okay-ish. But um, Dali two just blows that out of the water. Um, creates pictures, creates art based on your description. And I think that is pretty well. It's, is there a, is there a word that combines awesome and scary? Because that is what it is for me. It is. It does uh, two things really well. It does. Uh, it take it. Well, it can do. Okay, not by default. It can do things really well. It uh, can create photos, very good photos most of the time, and uh, it can put a lot of people out of business. And that is one of the implications that kind of scare me. So let's look at this. Um, what's the business model? Well, first of all, creating such a network, such a neural net, or let's say not creating it, but training it, which is where most of the work goes in, is like in, in labeling the pictures and uh, then creating the training data for it. Um, which is, by the way, slightly controversial when it comes to DALI 2. Um, but uh, th that whole bunch of, we're talking, I don't know, 600 million pictures or something from the web. Um, there's privacy implications, there's ownership implications and so on, but uh, I'm not really going to go into that part of that model. But yeah, that data needs to be then used in, uh, to train a neural network. And that training run for one of these Large, large neural networks can take weeks to months. So there's a huge amount of compute power. There's a huge amount of resources that goes into 
uh, training this model. And then when the model is trained, as with other AIs, uh, running that and retrieving data from it is comparatively small. I mean, that's why uh, you do have a neural processing chip in your Apple Watch, for example, because that doesn't take much power. But training the network does. So their business model is to sell you access to the trained model. They don't give you the trained model because that's that's their that's the money. Um, no, but you can buy tokens, so-called tokens, which is kind of the currency of using it. And then whenever you tell it to generate something that uses up a certain amount of tokens, and then once you're done, you have to pay them again. That's the business model. So their name, OpenAI, is not quite that open, actually. Um, the not-so-open-AI, but the system is impressive. Um, there are other systems out there. Com competition is there. Uh, one is called Midjourney. Midjourney is in beta right now, as well as uh, as as is um, Dali. My brother has access to Midjourney. Um, he's a graphic designer. He has taken a lot of he's created a lot of interesting photos there so um or art in general um there's another one called Im Im imagine i-m-a-g-e-n i think you pronounce it imagine um of course it's image and imagine combined that's by google it is apparently even better than dali but it is still completely closed only an announcement there but the examples they showed I mean, they might be cherry-picked, but yeah, quite realistic stuff. I mean, realistic as in dangerous for stock photography, that realistic. So uh, I think that's one of the big implications, that um, stock photography, the way we look at it, at least part of the stock photography, might be, might be gone soon, because... Uh, instead of going to a stock site and finding the right pictures and making a selection and then paying a license for whatever use, uh, it might be possible very soon for everyone to just type in what you need and spits out a spits out a photo for you, and then you can use that. Or it might even be integrated in platforms. Just imagine a WordPress plugin that gives you a Dolly box, they type in what you need, or even better, it analyzes your text and suggests uh, three, four, five pictures to you, and you choose one and say, ah, not quite there, can you please refine it, add an elf in the left corner, and boom, there it is. So, yeah, <laughs> do we still need our cameras? Are we still, well, okay, documentary stuff, of course, still there. Um, but it's, it's very interesting, especially the skill set required to write good prompts. Cause that is my big thing. I've, uh, I've, I've had a, just a very short access to mid journey and, uh, I, I played with it and I, my initial reaction sitting in front of that empty page where you write your prompt and then go generate. Um, my initial reaction was like a pretty blank stare and a pretty, uh, what do I do now? Because of course, my my approach to photography is visual, right? I I'm I let myself be inspired by where I am, what I see there, what is there. So it's always a 
a back and forth between the environment, the people, the the things, the props, whatever you have available to you, and making that into something. Uh, I do not create a photo from scratch. It's always based on something. So sitting there in front of a blank page, no inspiration there whatsoever, I was like, mm, okay, person, generate a person. And of course, that didn't turn out very interesting. Um, so the whole the whole prompt building uh, business is it, it requires different skills. Requires a very different approach to. Uh, I'm I'm hesitating to use the word photography because it of course isn't photography. It is photo generation, generative photography, whatever you want to call this. Um, and yeah, I'm I've, I've played more with a few of these, and I'm getting better, and I'm learning the keywords. I think. If you understand a bit how AIs work, and especially what kind of data sets they used, then uh, that that will help you with prompt building. For example, like you, you you can just put in what you want, like a I don't know a blue frog sitting on a yellow flower, and then that will generate some kind of picture. But then if you specify that it has been shot with studio lighting and uh, professional lens, macro, uh, bokeh, lens flare, whatever, um, then that will help the system generate the picture that you want. So it's an iterative iterative project uh, process. It is more of a, yeah, let me, let me build it up and go from some intermediate results and refine them and so on. So it's not, it's not a one-stop thing at this point because still you have to... It, it's it's the same as with your camera trying to interpret what your intentions are and setting your exposure and focus right. No, no, you still have to kind of nudge it in the right direction if you want to be sure that you get what exactly what you want. So the same with, uh, with uh, these image generation systems which by the way they also generate drawings paintings other kind of art 3d art and so on it's really amazing what they can do so um yeah dali by OpenAI um is a good example and yeah implications on stock photography yes uh implications on i mean remember 20 uh, 13 when the Chicago Chicago Sun Times the newspaper from uh, one day to the next they fired all their staff photographers and instead they gave all their editors uh, iPhones and uh, an hour of training or something along those lines I mean they replaced good photographers with good enough photographers and of course the image quality suffered but in the end um that was good enough for them and it hurt <laughs> it hurt a lot especially those impacted and it sent a message to other publications as well and there is a good chance that um some of the photography that you would need for magazines for newspapers i mean they're on the way out anyway but for publications in general no matter where what medium they take place but um yeah that will change that will shift that will um there will be people who either adapt their skill level or lose their jobs uh, photography and art in general i mean 
Um, if you if you if you see what they what these systems make based on your prompts, then a lot of the photography that you used to do is not necessary anymore. It just goes away, poof, like that. So yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Is that does that scare you? Is it exciting? Again, I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm still searching for a word that um, <laughs> that includes exciting and scared at the same time. So, yeah. Your feedback, absolutely welcome. Voice at tfttf.com. Send a, send a voice memo and uh, get your voice here on the show. So, AI, that topic, the whole, the whole area, the whole topic area of AI will not go away. We are going to talk about things there uh, more in the future. A quick little tool tool suggestion that I uh, that I've been using more and more lately. Um, have you heard of Photopea? P as in the green P photo P-H-O-T-O-P-E-A dot com um, it's, a, it's an online in your web browser Photoshop kind of clone and uh, yes I do have a lot of tools around and uh, but you know honestly for a quick edit here and there putting some text on a picture or something on the go on a computer that you don't have your your default tools on that that is brilliant it's it's ad finance so you can uh you, you'll have a few ads on the right hand side but yeah it does layers it does layer modes it uh even includes the artboard concept that i know from uh serif from their uh, affinity suite and it is just in general a very very capable little browser-based photo editor. I'm, yeah, I've found about found out about this a while ago, but then just recently got back to it. And um, so yeah, check it out, photop.com. And last but not least, uh, a cool thing from the field of space, 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 space. Um, <laughs> have you ever heard of a KTM? A Kineto tracking mount. So here we go. Um, there's a rocket and it's, I don't know, 60 kilometers away from you and it's moving at 5,000 miles an hour or something. And you have a 10,000 millimeter lens on a camera and you want to track that thing. You've seen all the footage of SpaceX and so on when they sh track those, uh, those rockets until they are like up almost almost up where they where they need to go um and that is if you if you've ever tried let's say a 2000 millimeter lens on your camera then uh and handhold that pointed at something you know how shaky that is so doing that with a 10000 millimeter lens it doesn't work handheld never ever even on a tripod that does not really work cuz yeah, but if you have a, you have a flea uh, next <laughs> jumping up and down next to the tripod, and that whole thing uh, will show in the picture. So um, there's this, uh, there are the KTM's, the Kinedo tracking mounts. Um, for example, at the Kennedy Space Center, that have been around for well, like since the Apollo days, and uh, they're pretty much expensive tripods. So just imagine, well, I'm, I'll link it in the show notes. Just imagine the the uh, very high-tech tracking mount. I think it has, it comes from the military to track 
other fast flying things. Uh, I think that's where the technology comes from. And um, it used to be manned by skilled operators and manned, I'm probably men, yeah, um, to track like Saturn V rockets and so on. And uh, that has now, they are still using that, those same mounts. They pretty much hold any kind of camera. So it's not, uh, the optics is it's just uh, like on a regular tripod. But um, they are now tracking autom- semi-automated uh, trackers pretty much. So they will be controlled remotely by an operator at the at Mission Control. And uh, that is how these things work. Kineto tracking mount, KTM. I just found out that that's what they're called just a short while ago. And NASA, by the way, uses um, another thing along those along looking that up is um, I found out that NASA still uses a mix of digital and film cameras on these mounts. Like the, the, uh, yeah, they, some, some of those cameras still have like a thousand foot film reel in them uh, to film, to shoot stills, but I think mostly to film and to analyze the rockets in great detail. And, I wondered why. I tried to find out why they're still using film, and uh, I haven't found a definitive answer, but it looks like it's an established process that works, and it works really well. Uh, the results are, for their purposes, as good as they get with digital, and uh, my personal assumption is also that uh, dynamic range is, uh, especially in the highlights, is important. I mean, just imagine how bright uh, a rocket plume is and uh, you want that you you need the detail you need to see how your uh how your exhaust forms and stuff like that there's a lot of visual uh inspection going on and the, the film especially some color negative films are just amazing when it comes to the dynamic range in the highlights i mean if you look at i don't know portra a Kodak Portra, for example, I think that can take four or five additional stops on the bright end and and still shows you detail, which with a digital camera, yeah, not so easy. So uh, film does have a few advantages, especially when it comes to really bright things and uh, preserving some detail in there. So I, I guess that is one of the reasons. And yeah, with that, we are at the end of this episode 100 uh, no 900 100 <laughs> that's long ago uh, 908 of tips on the top floor and um, yeah let me know how you liked it And that was it for this episode of Tips on the Top Floor. Thank you so much for being tuned in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for um, being around. You guys are awesome. And of course, I'm looking forward to your feedback. Get your voice heard here on the show. I have an email box. 
that is ready to receive your voice memos and other things. Voice at tfttf.com. Voice at tfttf.com or uh, follow tfttf tfttf photo tfttf photo tfttf photo on Twitter for announcements and things and to interact. We're also still running the TFTTF Slack. It's a bit quiet there, but hey, if you want to find out more, go to tfttf.com slash yslack, W-H-Y-S-L-A-C-K, tfttf.com slash yslack. All right, that was it. Thanks for listening. Take care. Be nice to each other. Take awesome photos and happy shooting. <laughs> <laughs>